Charter schools are independent public schools that serve as alternatives to traditional public schools. Today, more than 20 years later, these schools have provided kids, uh, mostly minority and low-income kids, with educational opportunities that they aren't getting from their assigned school district. Well, teacher unions have always been the primary opponents of these uh, charter schools. And now with a governor whose chief of staff is married to a PSEA lobbyist, uh, they are going on the offense against these schools of choice. Uh, joining me today is Anna Myers. She is executive director of the Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools. And we're talking about uh, the current attacks on these schools of choice. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs, and I am in downtown Harrisburg. Uh, and my guest today is Anna Myers. Uh, Anna is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools. Uh, but Anna and I go back quite a ways, uh, a number of years, when uh, we were involved in efforts to reform state government. I think it was probably on the tale of uh, the pay raise that uh, right. things happening here in Pennsylvania. Uh, but Anna is originally from Brazil. I know that that's influenced some of your work today that we want to get into uh, because charter schools are in the news, uh, particularly because Governor Wolf uh, is leveling his sights against charter schools, uh, pretty much making declaratory statements against them uh, and wants to uh, do a number of things legislatively, executive uh, um, order style as well. Uh, but Anna, uh, welcome to Brews and Views. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's a Wait, pleasure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we're able to, to get together and, and talk about this. Um, talk about your role as executive director of the charter schools. Give us a, a snapshot of charter schools here in Pennsylvania first. Okay, great. So, um, so I've been in this role for two and a half years now, um, and we represent about 125 of the 180 charter schools throughout the state. So just to give um, your listeners an idea, there are 15 cyber charter schools in Pennsylvania today, and then the remainder are brick-and-mortar charter schools. The brick-and-mortars are mainly in urban settings. So Philadelphia, for instance, has 88 charter schools. Mm. Uh, Pittsburgh has quite a few, I would say at least probably 30 charter schools, but then you are seeing charter schools popping up in rural areas as well. As far as the cyber charter schools, obviously they cover every single county of the state, So, and the demand has really increased as well. There's about 37,000 students in cyber charter schools, and um, total is about 145,000 for all charter schools in so, the state. So if the charter schools uh, functioned as a school district unto themselves, what would they be? Number two behind Philadelphia? Is that uh, I believe, is my math right? I believe the Philadelphia charter schools, the, there's 70,000 students in charter schools in Philadelphia today. So that would constitute probably the second largest school district in the state. So And all charter school students combined, uh, we're talking about a significant number of students relative to another school district, but in the scheme of things, uh, what percent of children uh, in the public school system, because I think it's important also to note, charter schools are public schools. Right. Uh, they just uh, have a bit of independence from the traditional 
district model. Right. Um, but when it comes to the, the charter school students, what percentage are they of the public school population? So it's about 7, 7%. 7%. Right, 7% in charter schools, 93% in traditional schools is um, the, the latest numbers that we've seen. And I think it's really important to point out not just that charter schools are public schools. I think we need to talk about the fact that they are tuition-free for families, they're publicly funded, they're non-sectarian, non-discriminatory enrollment, accountable to state and federal regulations, which is a big issue that we're discussing mm -hmm. with Governor Wolf. Well, we're not discussing with Governor Wolf. <laughs> Governor Wolf is talking about accountability of charter schools where there is accountability and they're governed by a board of directors who are public officials. So, um, and, so and I guess just for those that aren't fully uh, knowledgeable on charter schools, Charter schools uh, can't be selective, correct? They have to take whatever students come to them. That's correct? right. There's no, we call it cherry picking. We're not allowed to cherry pick. It's first come, first serve. Mm -hmm. So, in a lot of um, cases, a lot of scenarios, a lot of the schools that I engage with, there are waiting lists. So, then you become part of a lottery system. And so, it's uh, first come, first served, or, uh, you know, luck of the draw, I That's guess. That's right. Uh, how and how many students are sitting on waiting lists? Uh, trying to get into charter schools and we'll get into even you know how charter schools come about and some of the hurdles that they have to but what's the waiting list uh, look like so there's thousands of families on waiting lists today in charter schools for Pennsylvania I'll give you the Philadelphia example which is the most recent one that we have last year there's a website I believe it's apply Philly org, um, and it's a website for families to apply for a charter school in Philadelphia, just a central location. Mm -hmm. And there were 30,000 families that applied for a charter school last year. That's on top of the 70,000 students that are already enrolled in a charter school in the Philadelphia School District alone. So there's clearly high demand, lack of capacity that's out there, yet Governor Wolf uh, is saying that these uh, schools are not serving students well. Uh, what, what's the, if you can summarize the argument that Governor Wolf is making against charter schools, how would you, from his perspective, uh, I'm, I'm asking you to put on his hat, his, his anti-charter uh, 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 school hat, um, but to do so in as kind of a way as you can, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to try to put myself in Governor Wolf's shoes, especially coming from somebody that, you know, it, it has had the opportunity to attend a good school, right? Governor mm -hmm. Wolf went to a private school. He comes from a wealthy family, and I, I applaud him for being able to, you know, have been able to do that. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there are thousands of families in the state that are trapped by a zip code and that would not be able, you know, to, to, to get a good education unless yeah. they exercise their right to choose their school of choice. So, so it's hard for me to understand why it is that a Democratic governor that usually, you know, the Democratic Party stands for the people and for the greater good of the racial minorities and lower economic classes and those which is where charter schools predominate that's right, right. and communities uh, of need right? right that's right so those are the majority of the students that we serve are in urban communities Philadelphia Pittsburgh Harrisburg Erie Reading Allentown so and they
they, the, those parents are working two to three jobs a day mm-hmm. to be able to provide for their families. So what Yet, is it, yeah, what, what is it that Governor Wolf is saying about those schools in those particular areas that you're talking about? So Governor Wolf, you know, the, the, I think one of the biggest issues that he has is accountability, mm-hmm. right? He claims that charter schools are not transparent enough and they're not held accountable to the same standards as the traditional public schools, which... You know, we beg to differ. As I mentioned earlier in the program, you know, charter schools are authorized, number one, the brick and mortars by the school districts where they reside, where they Mm -hmm. operate. The cyber charter schools are authorized by the Pennsylvania Department of Education. So all those schools are accountable to the district that's authorizing them and to the Department of Education, not to mention all the reports that they have to submit on an yearly basis, the audits they have to go through, the budgets that they have to submit. I mean, Mm -hmm. the list of reports is enormous. I mean, if we were to put these reports in a box, you would have box after box after box piled together with the reports that these schools are having to submit. Wouldn't you say that the biggest uh, accountability measure, however, is that uh, charter schools cannot compel anyone uh, to attend? In fact, uh, they are all uh, through choice, a voluntary choice, um, and that uh, it's it's a family is saying this assigned public school, the one that I have to go to because of my zip code, isn't filling uh, my child's needs. That that family chooses um, an, an alternative, being the charter school, and that in fact that's probably the greatest accountability oh, measure that someone could actually leave, and that. Uh, they only receive money because parents are choosing that that's, school. That's absolutely right. We're not the first school of choice, right? When you relocate to a certain area and you go look at the MLS for the house that you mm-hmm. could be purchasing, they're going to tell you what your district school mm-hmm. is. That you're assigned. That you're yeah. assigned to. They're yeah. never going to mention, yeah, you have the Commonwealth Charter Academy in Harrisburg and you have, you know, Premier Arts in Harrisburg. That's not going to come up in conversation. So, so it is by choice. So we are ultimately accountable to the families, to the parents that are exercising their right to choose the school for their children. Now, the governor has talked about the lack of transparency in charter schools, uh, while at the same time, um, I know there's been legislation proposed uh, that would increase some of the transparency, things that uh, those in the charter school community, it would require more compliance uh, with laws. But you say, this this is fair. We, we have some uh, transparency legislation that's out there that the governor Uh, hasn't been behind or pushing, yet here he's claiming that uh, there isn't the kinds of reforms that he wants. That's right. And we have been, you know, as you know, Matt, we have been talking about charter school reform for at least 10 years now. And, you know, initially it was always a big bill, you know, comprehensive style bill, which unfortunately in Pennsylvania, I think it's difficult no matter what the subject is. It's difficult to get comprehensive reform done, at least in my experience it has Mm -hmm. been. So, I mean, we worked together in universal vouchers back in the day and, you know, had to scale it back. Um, So this year was a different approach when House Bill 97 last year failed to go the distance by uh, Representative Reese. Um, We decided together with uh, various legislators, Representative Reese and Representative Topper and a few others, to break down House Bill 97 into four different pieces. And one of them is House Bill 355, which is sponsored by Representative Reese, and, um, and it, which 
talks about, it focuses on charter school accountability. So it, it would codify the ethic and transparency requirements for charter schools, their administrators and board of trustees, making them subject to the Ethics Act. So, you know, we were the first ones to come to the table and say, although we don't think we need any more yeah. transparency and accountability, we are willing to come to the table and support a bill that would bring more accountability to us. Where was the governor during these discussions? And why is this bill not law yet today? Mm -hmm. And so this proposal came out of left field. We were not, I was very disappointed. I think the charter school sector in general was very disappointed that we were not consulted. We didn't have any meetings. We'd never heard about this in advance. As a matter of fact, I heard about the, his proposals through the media. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and two days later, there was a press conference in Allentown, which funny enough, a district that had just um, sent a letter to charter schools two days prior to the, conf to the press conference asking charter schools to take a 10% tuition deduction because they can't balance their budget. And I think it's important to also mention yeah. that 40 days prior to that, they issue a budget that already included the 10% deduction without talking to the <laughs> charter schools. Well, so, you bring up the issue of funding, so they wanted a 10% reduction. But a 10% reduction off of what? Uh, this, I think, is part of what uh, Governor Wolf uh, is focused on. He's saying that, uh, that charter schools are taking too much money away from the traditional public schools. Uh, could you give a, kind of a funding 101 of charter schools? How are charter schools funded? Are they taking all the money that would otherwise go to the school district uh, if that kid remained in the school district? Or are they taking a fraction and, and how much? So uh, when Allentown wants a 10% reduction, 10% reduction off of what? What are, what are they already uh, getting for that student that they're educating? Right, and that's a great point. So the, the, the 101 of charter school funding is the money in Pennsylvania follows the students. So when I choose to opt out of a school district and my child attends a charter school, Part of that money follows my child, but part of that money the district is able to keep because, yes, you know, let's all be fair. The district has expenses that they continue to have to pay for that charter schools don't have to mm -hmm. pay for. Transportation, for instance, being one of those mm -hmm. expenses. Um, they still have building costs. They still have teacher salaries, et cetera. So on average, um, you would see a district keeping about 25% of the tuition payment so that they can, um, you know, sort of right size and, and, and use it for their own expenses. So, so for, for kind of round numbers, I mean, I know we're getting close to about 20000 uh, per student spending in Pennsylvania. It's a bit under that, but it's easy to round those numbers. So a charter school student wouldn't get the 20000 uh, They would actually get about 15000 if it's a 25% a uh, reduction. So That's that, right. that, that student doesn't get the total amount. Um, so they leave behind, in our example here, mm -hmm. $5,000 for a student they no longer have to educate. Yet what we're hearing from the traditional schools and what Tom Wolf is, is propagating is that this is somehow throwing school district finances uh, in disarray. How do they come to that conclusion that they don't have to educate this child, but they're getting money for a kid they no longer have to educate, and that this is somehow, when it's 7% of the school population, I mean, it might be more in school districts where you have a lot of families trying to escape right. crummy schools. Right. Um, but explain how this is bankrupting, if you will, or really harming traditional school districts' finances. Yeah, unfortunately, given all the research that we have done at PCPCS on this issue, 
I, it really doesn't add up how mm. charter schools are bankrupting school districts. I think that charter schools are being used as, as a scapegoat for other internal fiscal issues that the districts mm. have. And I'll use Allentown, since Allentown has been in the news lately regarding charter schools, um, given that they asked for a 10% deduction reduction in, in the tuition payments. Allentown already keeps 32% from the payments made to public charter schools. And that's making it one of the highest deductions in the district in the state. Mm -hmm. So, and so then, again, they're keeping about a third of the money that's, that's right. uh, dedicated for that job. And then they were asking on top of the 32% for an additional 10%. So in essence, you're now getting close to 50% yeah. of the funding if the charter schools had agreed to it, which obviously the, the charter schools did not agree mm -hmm. to, 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 to doing this. So, 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 you know, so it's, so it's a big issue and, and looking at the Allentown numbers, and I'm just using them as an example, just because we have had to um, deal with Allentown in the past 30 days. Um, last year they were provided $10 million by the state with the promise that this infusion of public taxpayer dollars would allow the district to balance the budget going forward. Well, mm. I'm not sure where the $10 million <laughs> went, but that wasn't enough or they wouldn't have asked us for an additional 10% deduction. So when we look at the pension and the increase in PISA's rates, um, we think that they are the strongest driver of the, di the district's budget issues. Yeah. And salaries and related benefits increased as well. So apparently they increased 317.1% from fiscal year 2012 to fiscal year 2018. So that's a total increase over 10 years of 700%. So I think, you know, this is an example of how charter, charter schools are not, at the end of the day, the fiscal yeah. problem that districts have. Well, and if they actually were the, the fiscal problem um, of school district, that says a lot about the school district product that they're providing parents. Because if you are seeing a mass exodus of students choosing a, a charter school, uh, they're doing so for a reason. <laughs> they're saying that the, the, the product that they're getting at their assigned public school district uh, is one that they want to escape. And uh, so in a way, this is working exactly the way it's supposed to, that the money should follow the child. And school districts, it shouldn't be the charter schools that are being questioned here. Uh, we ought to be questioning the public school that is losing all these students. Why are students saying, I'm out of here if I have a choice? Why are they lining up? to try to get into charter schools. And it seems that the governor is asking the wrong questions. Right. Uh, he really ought to be, and, and I suspect uh, that when you look at uh, the school districts that are claiming you know, poor, uh, the, the, the most, right, that are squealing the loudest, right. um, they're the ones that are losing all the kids because they're providing a crummy product. I, you know, I, this is where, to me, this is working exactly the way it's supposed to. Yeah, we, we probably ought to tweak some things that, right. as you've noted, hey, we it's time to update uh, some of our laws because charter schools have been around for two decades now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, when they passed the charter school laws back in the, the late 90s, uh, no idea that we'd be looking at cyber right. uh, charter schools. Those weren't even in people's minds right. uh, at that point. And so it, it makes sense that they're to update them. But this ought to be viewed as this is uh, how we're delivering education to the public, not just public education, a government-run system, but uh, how more children are having 
educational options that they didn't have before. And, and again, these are children that otherwise, if it weren't for scholarships or charter schools, they would not have an opportunity to leave those districts. I have some um, demographics here. So the average traditional school district student population is 33% economically disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. um, and this percentage is 49.7% for cyber charter schools and 66.6% for brick and mortar charter schools. So when any legislation is put forth to cut charter school funding, it will impact impoverished children and racial minorities. Yeah, There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, because that's really where charter schools are popping up the most. Because right. in, in a wealthy school district, uh, you know, even if it's, you know, supposedly a high performing one, parents are still wanting choices, but they have the wherewithal to pay for a, a private school, right? right? Uh, right. Or, or to move to a better public school district. Uh, it's, the, it's the families that can't afford to make those kinds of choices that charter schools are the only option right. uh, for these families. And those are the families that will suffer the most uh, um, under these new um, regulations, proposed regulations, any formal legislation, um, and even you know the executive authority that the governor is trying to push through. These families are going to be impacted the most. And you know we believe, like I said before, in accountability. There is no issues with transparency. But if you're going to make the schools that you know educate seven percent of the public school system, right, children mm -hmm. that are in the public school system accountable, then we need to look at everybody the same. What right. about the accountability for the 93% that are left behind? Whether they've chosen to stay behind or whether because they cannot get a scholarship or because they can't get into a charter school, you know, I think it's only fair to make sure that those school districts are being account held accountable as well. And, and we're not seeing any proposals coming from the governor's office that would ensure of that. Yeah, we certainly, as we sit here in uh, the school district of, of uh, Harrisburg, one of the worst performing in the state. Uh, he is uh, not going after their poor performance where we have less than a 50% graduation rate and then even the kids that make it through. We're talking about in the teens in terms of proficiency in some basic skills. Yet he's not going after them for accountability and greater transparency. In fact, they've even found that uh, there's mismanagement of funds. Yet we don't see these levels of attacks on the other, you know, 93% of the traditional school system where the vast majority of kids are still. Uh, and so uh, to get back to what Governor Wolf is uh, doing here, what is he calling for specifically and where is this in, in the process? Is this going to take legislative form? Uh, is he doing executive orders. How does he intend to uh, prosecute his case against charter schools? Yeah, so, so far we have not seen a lot of details yet. And in speaking with the General Assembly, I don't believe that the General Assembly has seen a lot of details okay. yet. I mean, we know what he, what he has said in his press conference um, about moratorium on cyber charter schools and enrollment caps on both brick and mortar and cyber charter schools, which the charter school law, Matt, is clear on that. That is against the law. That is is illegal. Um, you know, we would have a real issue in our hands if the governor pursued that. Um, and we would definitely file a lawsuit if that is the case. So he's saying that allow, say, a, a Harrisburg school district to uh, limit the number of kids who can escape. That's that, right. That, so pretty much what he's saying is, yeah, okay, Philadelphia, you have 30,000 people, 30,000 families on a waiting list. But you're just going to stay on that waiting list yeah. because we're capping the number of the enrollment numbers mm. in, in 
charter schools. And that would apply to both brick and mortars and cyber charter schools. So to me, that is the beginning of the end of school choice as we know it in the state. And it's definitely taking 100 steps backwards, so to speak. Um, and, and we can't allow that to happen. So has he issued any executive orders uh, with regard to this yet? Or is this where he's sort of in the, let's float this idea, uh, see how much pushback I get, uh, and then decide how to proceed, whether it's trying to push legislation. Uh, and I do want to talk about where you see things from the General Assembly's uh, standpoint. Um, but how is he, what, what's he, where, where is he at in that process? So PDE issued last week proposed rulemaking, and it's very vague. We actually just reviewed it today with our attorneys, and there's not a lot of information for mm. us to be able to make a concrete decision on what exactly the governor is trying to do with these rules. Um, again, I contacted PDE and asked, you know, if there's a common period, these are proposed rules, right? So they're not yeah, set in stone. Not, yeah. It hasn't even kicked off the process yet, and Pretty much, I was told that it's an indefinite period for comments, so we do plan to comment on those and, and wait to see what happens. But as of right now, there's not enough information to for us to be able to make a decision on how we proceed moving forward. But it does sound that some of his proposals uh, uh, could be litigated, that uh, oh, unless he were able to get some legislative changes, uh, his proposals of caps, say, on enrollment uh, would be illegal. Yeah. Uh, but we've known that the governor's done illegal things and then gets permission from the Supreme Court that was bought and paid for by some of the same people pushing uh, anti-charter school legislation, the teacher unions. That's uh, right. That's but, right. So so uh, the battle is going to go on. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, you're going to be standing up for uh, the students, mm -hmm. uh, the schools that, that, that are serving them. How has the General Assembly been? I know we've been in our kind of summer hiatus while the governor has proposed this and the legislature doesn't come back till mid-September. Um, what have you heard from the General Assembly at this point? Uh, are they inclined to go in this direction or do you feel like, hey, there's going to be a good fighting chance uh, against this governor's um, anti-charter school efforts. I think, again, like you said, you know, folks have been on vacation and a little bit disconnected from what's happening in Harrisburg and what's happening with, um, you know, school choice at the moment. But um, they're, they're definitely waiting. For, they're definitely waiting for more details. I believe. I don't think um, the General Assembly has quite been engaged yet yeah. by the governor and um, and his staff to have a meaningful discussion about uh, does this become a fall priority? If you ask me, I am prepared for this to be a fall priority and I actually welcome this topic as a fall priority because until we address this funding issue Matt mm -hmm. it's not going to go away you know because the districts are not going to overnight right size they're not going to stop you know their contributions and peasers and salaries etc so they're not going to address the internal issues I have no doubt of that so they will continue to blame yeah. charter schools so until we take this funding conversation out of the equation, the negative rhetoric that we're seeing in the media, which by the way, completely sides with the special interest sure. groups that are fighting against charter schools. It's a very biased Pennsylvania media. So, but until we address the funding issue, whether it be via a commission, a funding commission, Senator Brown had a bill um, last spring um, that passed the Senate, you know, that would address the issue. We're going to continue to have this conversation. It's going to be hearsay. The school districts say one thing, the special interest groups say one thing, 
and the charter school proponents say something else. So we sort of need somebody to, you know, bring everyone to the table at this point so we can have a meaningful, yeah. factual discussion. Well, and of course, the, the most important thing in all of this is none of those players uh, um, are as important as the kids. And right. we know that families, kids are clamoring for alternatives. Uh, they want choices. Uh, they know that many of their assigned public schools are not delivering them the education that's going to allow them uh, to be successful uh, right. in life. Right. And, 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 you know, so that brings me to another topic, another piece of legislation that um, the chairman of the House Education Committee introduced earlier in the year. I forget the, the bill number right now, but in essence, what this bill would do is um, kids that are currently in charter schools, if the districts offer a cyber program, those kids will be forced to go into the cyber program unless the parents paid for those kids to attend a cyber charter school. If that is not the beginning of the end of school <laughs> choice in the state, I don't know what is, especially coming from a Republican chair of the House Education Committee. I mean, that, that shows you have some challenges ahead. If, I uh, think we definitely yeah. have, you know, a mountain to climb in the future. But I think that mountain is climbable and we are prepared to do so. But what I want my point with bringing up this piece of legislation is that. The cyber families that have heard about this are completely outraged. Not yeah. only are they outraged, but they are scared because there is a reason why they left those districts to begin with, right. and they don't want to be forced into those districts again. And again, these are families that most likely would not be able to pay for a cyber charter school, nor should they have to pay for a cyber charter schools because cyber charter schools are public schools. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, uh, you do have your work cut out for you. Uh, we want to work alongside you because you're fighting for the right cause, for kids to have options that, uh, particularly in areas uh, like here in Harrisburg, as we said, uh, where those options are really not ones that Governor Wolf certainly would have made for his children, uh, nor would any of the, all the teacher union lobbyists that are, are fighting against charter schools. So I commend you for fighting the good fight, Anna. Uh, thank you for coming on. Been thank talking you. with Anna Myers, Executive Director of Pennsylvania Coalition of Public Charter Schools. Uh, where can folks go to find more information and learn about what charter schools are doing in Pennsylvania? So folks can go to our website, which is www.pacharters.org, and it's charters with an S, pacharters.org. We're very active on Facebook and Twitter so on our website you'll be able to find a connection to our Facebook page to our Twitter handle you know I urge you to get involved if you're listening and you believe in educational choice and you believe in charter schools call your legislator today and make your voices be heard we are going to put up a really really strong robust grassroots effort and you know we're not going to go down without a fight that's for sure well Anna thanks for coming on uh, Bruising Views with me thank you so much for having me You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.